lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. We're back after taking a day off. Some of you yelled at me that I did not give you ample warning that we were taking a day off yesterday. And you know what? Um, You're right. We did mention it a couple times during the show, but I, you know why? Because I kind of had forgotten myself that we were going to have Wednesday off uh, during Tuesday's program. So my bad. Those of you that yelled at me for that, you're you're perfectly within your rights to. I did a good good job there. I find that amazing every time I hear it because they don't think they had ample warning. Well, the ample warning was the show the day before, and now the next day, you're very frustrated that you don't have the show, but if you have the show, then you learn the things that told you that you weren't going to have the show. <laughs> right. I don't understand. I, I only did casually mention it, though, a couple of times. So I, I, I do think it's a somewhat fair criticism. And you know that I love accepting criticism. You so do. I do. It's one of the things Your that's the most yeah. it, 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 people find the most endearing about me. My name is Steve Dace, in case you had forgotten in the last 48 hours. His name is Totters, and over there is our good friend uh, and the man that makes us uh, on the air. Uh, Aaron McIntyre, you are you, and let us know who you are by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show and Getter as well. Get clips of the program that are free to watch and free of censorship when you head over to rumble.com slash Show. And we are now up on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace. At Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the latest economic news. It's not good. Uh, We are looking at a far lower increase in private payrolls than we were hoping for and were projected. What does that mean? It means private sector jobs. Who's actually working? We're seeing another crash in the labor market. Uh, NASDAQ, which is a lot of the tech stocks, those are... NASDAQ's total worth right now is about where it was in the summer of 2008. You probably don't want to have any economic trend that looks like what was going on in the summer of 2008. Fair? Fair. Because of what then happened in the fall of 2008. All right, so that's another reason why you might want to call our friends at My Patriot Supply. Uh, not to mention, what is it? We're up to 12 or 13 food processing plants that have been burnt to the ground around the country as well. I mean, you never know when, oh, that could never happen here. Happens here. And that's where you want to get their emergency food preparedness from My Patriot Supply. It's a three-month kit packed with a wide variety of delicious meals you can rely upon when food shortage, when, not if, food shortages hit. Uh, Don't pass up this chance to get $150 off plus free shipping. $150 off plus free shipping. And it will arrive in unmarked boxes so you don't have to own the fact you're a doom prepper. Some of you may want to. Maybe when you go ahead and go to preparewithdace.com, request, hey, send the most audacious delivery vehicle, please, because I'm trying to evangelize to my neighbors that they need to get hooked up with this as well. Uh, The food will last up to 25 years with proper storage. Go there now. Preparewithdace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Free shipping and $150 off at preparewithdace.com. Coming up on today's show at the bottom of the hour, we will continue Theology Thursday. We got to be getting close to the end, aren't we, guys? Uh, 
Well, depends on which way <laughs> What's you're the talking con- about. Yeah. Because this book, or- this book will make you think we are close yeah. to the end. Let me clarify that. Thank you very my much. My only friend. Yes. Um, uh, Scott Atlas is not my buddy. No, uh, not any longer. We used to love that guy. Not any. I'm gonna. I'm, I've. Don't tell him I said this, but I've kind of had my fill of Scott Atlas here these last few months. Now I know how I make people feel. We, we should right? ask him. Steve back. Dace and limited doses. We should yes. back when we're done with this. And your first question just be Scott. What the hell, man? Yeah. Why'd you do <laughs> that bleeping guy? Right. <laughs> I mean, did the book have to be this long? We got the point about six chapters in. I can't cut myself anymore. Right. I look like a serial killer with all these marks on my arms. <laughs> All right, but we will try to continue to trudge on to maybe hopefully finally get to the end of this brutally honest and, and, and emphasis on the brutally honest expose of what was going on uh, in the Trump White House and uh, the last days of Pompeii there as it was trying to conquer and get ahead of or be conquered, maybe as the case may be, by the spirit of the age. We'll continue that Theology Thursday series coming up at the bottom of the hour. At the top of next hour, Delano Squires is going to join us, and we're going to get into what he's been commenting on and writing about here at The Blaze recently. Since it was leaked that we may be on the brink of the end of Roe v. Wade. So that's a conversation you definitely don't want to miss out on next hour. And then after considering how heavy that one's probably likely to be, we'll close it out with a little bit lighter fare, three non-political questions. But until we get to all of that, let us begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Baby Killers. Radical pro-baby killing proponents have spent the last 48 hours in a demonic seethe. We'll start with Senator Elizabeth Warren, who had a powwow with radical abortionists in front of the Supreme Court. California Governor Gavin Newsom tweets, if men could get pregnant, if men could get pregnant, This wouldn't even be a conversation. The decision isn't about strengthening families, blah, blah, blah. Kamala Harris added this. How dare they? How dare they tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body? Blue checkmark Amanda Duarte. I almost want to get pregnant with Trump's baby and let it go to full term just so I can rip it halfway out and cut its bleeping head off. The Young Turks. I don't care about your goddamn religion. I'm so tired of having nonstop conversations about what the Bible says. Vice Motherboard tweeted on September 8th of last year, Joe Rogan has recovered from COVID-19 and used his first show back to spread misinformation about the horse deworming drug he took. Motherboard tweeted on Tuesday, Misoprostol is relatively easy to acquire from veterinary sources, since in addition to medically inducing abortions, it's also used to treat ulcers in horses. That tweet was referencing an article at Vice on how to perform do-it-yourself abortions. TikTok. Mm -hmm. We're going back into a handmaid's tale society. We're now back in the dark ages. I don't understand why this country hates women so much. Pro-baby killing rioters smashed windows on a police car during demonstrations in LA. In New York City... Here's Joe Biden. Go back and look at the opening comments of the Bork Biden when I was questioning him as chairman. I said, I believe I have the rights that I have, not because the government gave them to me, which you believe, but because I'm just a child of God. I exist. What happens if you have a state change the law saying that, that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? 
Is that, is that legit under the way the, the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history. Speaking of Biden, here he is during a ceremony for Paralympic athletes. Here we go. Don't jump. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan spoke recently about the dynamics shaping up within the Republican Party. We won't win back the White House by nominating Donald Trump or a cheap impersonation of him. I suppose you think you're the one to do it. Moving on, the newest batch of Pfizer documents regarding their COVID jabs, safety and efficacy or lack thereof, has been dumped by the Informed Consent Action Network. Naomi Wolf joined Steve Bannon on his show to discuss some of the newest findings. Basically, this report written by a a female physician uh, analyzing the documents shows that pregnant women were excluded from the trials before they concluded it was safe and effective. They concluded it was safe and effective based on mice and the autopsies of mice fetuses. And that horrifically, uh, the Department of Defense data shows that female soldiers' pregnancies are experiencing an absolutely catastrophic rate of abnormalities. So that's cool. And finally, this for some whiplash at a recent Major League Baseball game between the New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays. Yankees slugger Aaron Judge hit a home run that was caught by a Blue Jays fan. Check out what happens next. For those of you listening, the Blue Jays fan who caught the home run ball immediately turns to his right and hands the ball to an absolutely elated young Yankees fan who then gives him a hug. That's a cool moment. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Moink. You know, U.S. pork production comes, the majority of it anyway, from one company that the Chinese have an ownership stake in. Um, You know, there's a better way. uh, And that's if you can go farm to table with a co-op with a group like Moink that delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door from farmers that do things the way that your grandparents do. So the moink meat tastes the way that it should because the family farm always does it better. And right now you can help to keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox, M-O-I-N-K, moinkbox.com slash Steve right now. Moinkbox.com slash Steve right now. And get free filet mignon in every order for a year. That's kind of cool. Free filet mignon in every order for a year. When you go to moinkbox.com slash Steve again, that's moinkbox.com slash Steve. Let's get to what was in Aaron's montage here uh, today. And the I, I just go back to what we have newly uh, titled and certified as Aaron's razor. Aaron, remind us. Uh, Aaron's razor is what? It's just demonic, bro. It's just demonic, bro. Uh, and that's that's just what you watched or listened to. It's just demonic, bro. Um, let's let's start with just scenes like out of the New Testament and and stuff that you know. Have you ever tried reading it for the first time? Just I mean, speaking for myself. Some of this stuff just kind of sounds weird, right? I mean, people coming up and like seething. Have you come to persecute us before the appointed time? Like, you're like, who talks like this, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, 
Oh. So that's what it looks like. Huh. So much for our modern sensibilities and enlightened, pervasive attitudes, correct? There's nothing new under the sun. What you saw there, and Aaron provided you several examples, is that child sacrifice, ritualistic murder, baby killing, simultaneously rots the soul as it warps your psyche. Stop and, stop and consider what these reactions are to. This is not, you're not looking at the reactions of people who are confronted by the evils of child sacrifice, ritualistic murder, and baby killing, and are so incensed that such evil could be permitted, let alone excused, for as long as it has been in such an allegedly enlightened culture, that they just lose their minds, start turning over money changers, plunging temples down into the dirt, right? That, that would be understandable. No. This is in reaction to not permitting them to do those things. And we haven't even gotten to that point yet, just that theoretically we might. The idea that we might take those things away. There are no political solutions to that. Say that again. There are no political solutions to that. Had a great time at the speaking engagement I did over in Omaha yesterday. And we had a few hundred uh, ladies were there. It was a sold out luncheon and some great questions speaking to a group called the Liberty Ladies over there. So I'll give you guys a shout out because I had a great time. And one of the women came up to me and started asking me a lot of questions about what do I know about this primary or that primary? And I just told her, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm barely following any of it. But I don't, I'm not doing that because I don't think it's important. It's because what we're up against, we can't vote our way out of that. This is theological, it's epistemological, it's philosophical, it's moral. And we cannot vote our way out of that. And we can't just be a silent majority any longer that just kind of lets the enemy out of his cage for a while to prance around and seethe. And then we come out in November and save the day and send a message. Remember those days? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the old religious right paradigm. That is dead as a doornail, man. That's as dead as Elizabeth Warren's conscience. I mean, is it just me or was she really on the warpath there? Sorry. Um, but you know what I mean. Um, that is, as Aaron described, demonic seething. That's Romans 1 played out. What does it look like when someone, uh, when someone or a group or a culture or a community or a movement has been given over to its own depraved mind. That there's no longer any restraint. You are now an ingrate. 
that the father says, I will, fine. I'm tired of trying to reach you and hold you back. Do what thou wilt, since you will anyway. Have at it. It's all yours. It looks like that. There's a picture going around on, on social media, I shared it too, of a woman who was at one of these rallies uh, after the news came out that the court may overturn Roe, and she's holding up a sign that says, I wish my mom would have aborted me. No, she doesn't believe that. She's well into her adult years. If she really believed that, I, I had this conversation many, many years ago. I went on Radio Talk Europe when Rules for Patriots came out. And some left-wing uh, hostess tried to come at me on the life issue. And her argument was, well, what about all the, pe- the children in Africa who suffer and starve and die? Shouldn't they have been spared that suffering? And I asked her, I said, have you ever suffered? Has everything in your life gone great? No one's ever broken your heart? No one's ever disappointed you? You've never been fired? No one's ever let you down? You've never suffered the loss of a loved one? You've never broken a bone, been seriously ill, faced your own mortality? You've had no suffering in your life whatsoever. I, I assume you've had some, right? And she said, well, of course. I said, then you should kill yourself. I told her that. You should kill yourself. By your own standard, you should have offed yourself. If, if the standard of life is extinguishing it in order to prevent suffering, I told her, prove to me you believe in your own standard and kill yourself now. Because by your own standard, you have suffered. And therefore, would have been better off being spared that suffering by being dead. Conversation kind of went off the rails at that point, okay? But point made. Same thing with the woman wearing that sign. She doesn't believe that. She could have aborted herself many, many times. That's a cult. The desire to show, I belong. I will comply. I'm one of you. In many respects, that's even worse. Because now all the logic centers in your brain are just turned off. Like, I get why Dave Portnoy over at Barstool Sports is making the arguments he's getting. Because I used to be a boy who could shave too. I used to, you know... I actually knew my history. I knew that my mom thought about aborting me at 15 and had me anyway. And I still completely listened to uh, my urges and hormones. And when I was a young teenager, college kid, into my young 20s before I got married, I was a pagan in heat too. I understand why he made the argument he made. That now he's going to forget 25 months of what happened to the economy and his way of life and all other liberties and freedoms and vote Democrat this year. Um, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, which by the way, hey, congrats to you. You're going to be one of the few in the proud looking at all the data I'm seeing. So you'll be unique in that regard as well. But I understand that argument. That's just flat out. I just want to keep sinning and I don't want to have the evidence of my sin confront me, nor do I want to be responsible for my sin by being a dad. I find it reprehensible now that I'm on the other side of the equation. But I at least understand it from a total depravity standpoint. He's just a boy who can shave. That's all. That's just all that he is. He's just a sperm donor. He's just an ejaculator. That's really all he is. Just a random ejaculator. That's all he is. Just a boy who can shave. Randomly ejaculating. That's all he does. And in many respects, as males, that's pretty much all we are in our sinful state, right? It's something far more 
gone, though, when you turn the logic centers of your brain off. Portnoy is actually being consistent with the logic centers in his brain. The hookup culture and all of the hottie conquest I get is the thing that I, I feel the most rewarded by achieving. And, of course, that prophylactic don't always work and we don't always work it, right? So I don't want the evidence of that. I don't want to be. And how, how many abortions do you think Dave Portnoy's probably played for, paid for? Who knows? But chances are someone living that life has probably paid for, you know, who knows? Theoretically, probably the number's not zero. So... Totally makes sense. Now, those logic centers are sinful. They're depraved. But see that they he's actually following a cogent thought. Do you see the point that I'm making here? Mm -hmm. I want to get laid as many times as I possibly can without any consequence whatsoever. I want to tag as many hotties as I possibly can without any consequences whatsoever. Now you're telling me that my get out of jail free card might be taken away. And since that's the that's the top of my Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and now you're going to deny me what I think I need the most, then that's going to motivate me to vote on that more than anything else. That logically makes sense, actually. It's warped, it's depraved, it's sinful, but logically, it actually is congruent. It follows a path. What is not logical is, I haven't killed myself yet, but I wish my mom would have aborted me. There's no logic to that. You know, it's also not logical. I, th I thought this is the extension you were going to be making. The president of the United States for a second, basically. Oh, I'm doing, going to get there. Okay. Yeah, I'm basically, going to get there. He did the Steve Day show. Yeah. Your number one principle. And then yes. he said, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to get there. Believe me. Amen, bro. Okay, Amen. But, but that has no logic to no. it at all. You've shut the logic center of your brain off. And that's, that's what makes you, that's Romans one stuff. Portnoy is not actually articulating Romans one stuff. Because sooner or later, if the logic centers of your brain are active, eventually you will be confronted with the accountability of your actions. And then, you'll, it'll, then it'll be a matter of how you choose to respond to it. This is cognitive dissonance, the woman wearing that sign. Cognitive dissonance is, this is a war on women, so let me try to kill as many women as I can before they are ever born. That's cognitive dissonance. That's a cult. That is a cult. You won't vote your way out of this. That will have to be defeated theologically, philosophically, epistemologically. And the first word that I said there that is key is defeated. You cannot share a country with that. And it will not share one with you, which brings me to the president of the United States. You cannot share a country with that. And he will not share one with you. See, what Biden articulated there, that is the same, the, the logic center of the brain has been turned off. Now, in his case, that could mean several different uh, contexts because he has clear dementia. But what's scary is that that right there was, was his. the most he was lucid the most, he's yes. been in, in months. Exactly. I yes. completely agree. It yeah. was terrifying. Yeah, you're reading my mind. I was going to say that actually next. So great minds think alike here. We're mind melding. My mind to your mind, Spock. Uh -oh. Okay. But I was just about to say that. That's the most lucid he has sounded in how long? We got some silent lucidity here from Joe Biden when it came to th that. That is his version of, I wish my mom would have aborted me. 
Yeah. Yet, yet, alone, yet I haven't killed my own self, so I don't really even truly believe in what I'm saying. I just want to belong. I want to serve the cult. I, I want the group think affirmation. I'm a child of God. My rights come from God. Can you believe these guys aren't going to let us just keep murdering people incessantly for no reason that have done absolutely nothing to justify being killed? Man, those are the most radical people we've ever seen in the history of this country. Same guy, same sentence, same clip. And notice there was no fumbling around or looking around. Not the Joe we see today. That's the Joe we used to see. That's who Joe really is. He's in a cult. You're not going to defeat cults with elections. You can make it harder on him, and that's a good thing. You can punish him, that's a really good thing. But that's going to have to be defeated in the arena of ideas. And it requires an aggressive, a more aggressive level of engagement than your typical evangelistic niceties. This is you're a son of the devil. Cut your whole phallus off, your whole penis off if you love circumcision so much. You are like a civilization. You're like women who have sex with men whose penises are like donkeys and, and ejaculate is like horses. These are when cultures get the most absolutely provocative and incendiary language thrown at them in the scriptures. It's when they start, it's when they're no longer acting logically. Sin is very logical, actually. We're born fallen. We want to sin. No one's ever had to teach their child to say no or mine in the history of our species since we had spoken word. We don't have to teach selfishness to our children. It's endemic to who we are. It's indelible to us as a, as a species. I have certain sins that I like more than others. I don't want to give them up. They give me joy. They give me meaning. They give me fulfillment, satisfaction. They medicate me. Maybe some or all of the above. Take those things away from me. What will I have in life? It would make no sense for people to want to give those things up unless they came to grips with the fact there was a new and better life that awaited them if they did. But minus that, what would be the incentive to give any of those things up? None would be the answer. What doesn't make any sense, and when you know things have really gotten to demonic levels, is when we transcend our sinfulness and we now start co-opting as Biden is doing there, the language of righteousness to justify our unrighteousness. When things have gotten to a cultic level, where you're not going to just read, I could, I could show you the Guttmacher Institute numbers. That's Planned Parenthood's think tank, by the way. That's their numbers. That 92% of the abortions they did last year were elective. And they've been putting those numbers out pretty similar to that for decades, actually. Many years. Those, that woman wearing that sign, I wish my mother would have aborted me, isn't going to be moved by that data. Never happening. 
This will require a much more aggressive intellectual, philosophical, moral, and even more so theological confrontation. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, well, quickly speaking for my tribe, uh, once again, uh, the Emperor, uh, St. Ambrose, who inspired St. Augustine, uh, never became Pope, uh, but his authority was such that uh, I believe it was the Emperor Theodosius at the time uh, came to him to repent for his uh, sins, and St. Ambrose made him like wait out kneeling in the snow for a while. Th- that's who the church needs to be right now. Steve once told me something long ago before I was on the show of friends, and it's ultimately makes a ton of sense from the Protestant perspective, looking at the Catholic, uh, church, like th- that authority thing looks pretty good. Sometimes he said, uh, why don't you wield it? This man cannot rub the life of Christ in the mud like this without consequences. He must be excommunicated. It's that simple. Unfortunately, the excommunications will continue until morale improves when we come back as we continue our Theology Thursday book study from Scott Atlas, A Plague Upon Our House. And boy, does that title seem appropriate right now. We'll get to that here in a moment. Stay tuned. The three-week rule out there might be really good advice before you go out and get a new or try to get uh, a new uh, home loan, car loan, refi, business loan. Why? Because our friends over at ScoreMaster, they can help a lot of people raise their credit score about 60 points in about three weeks. Uh, why? How do they do this? They, they take the information that the banks and the lenders have on you. And nowadays, they will actually share your credit score with you whenever you want, often for free. But will they share with you why you have the score that you have? And then furthermore, will they share with you how to get to the score that you want or need? That's what they do at ScoreMaster. We used it last year to help us get to uh, a credit score that uh, got us an obscenely low interest rate for our refi last fall. So I've watched it work myself, and now you can give it a shot as well. Uh, try ScoreMaster for free. See how many plus points you can add to your credit score by going to scoremaster.com slash Steve. That's scoremaster.com slash Steve. One more time, scoremaster.com slash Steve. So we're going through Scott Atlas's book, A Plague Upon Our House. And this is our Theology Thursday first book study. We're going to do three of them this year. And we're going to look at the spirit of the age, meaning hell, uh, in three different contexts. What it was doing during COVID, which is the most clear policy manifestation and mobilization of it we have seen in modern times, maybe like ever. Uh, And then we're going to look at it more broadly from a cultural standpoint with my book, Do What You Believe, or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer. And then we will do so on an economic front later in the year when we get to that conversation. Okay. This week, I want to flip it around. So I've been having you guys point out to me what stands out to you uh, and then putting a theological application on it. This week, I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to point out two things. 
And then I want you guys to give me a theological application to this. Fair? Okay. You yep. guys okay with that? Yep. All right. This is one of the longer chapters in the book, by the way. But I th I'm glad that we're actually only doing this in one of our shorter segments this week because it's also one of the most painful chapters in this book. It's, it's appropriately chapter 13. Um, I'm just going to quote from the book here from Scott Atlas. <clears throat> Regardless of my presence in the, pref brief in the press briefings or at the contentious task force meetings or at the COVID huddles, and that's what this chapter is about, the COVID huddles. Debbie Burks remained the main advisor and the only task force representative to the governors. Now, why is that important? It's because who actually carried out the, the vast bulk and majority of COVID policy? Her. Well, no, the governors did. Oh, well, but yeah, she, she was their out. main. Yes, but, but she advised yes. it, but the governors yes. implemented yes. it. They carried Correct. it out. There was no national lockdown, for example. Yes. These were done on a state by state basis. Although your mistake turned out to be a Freudian slip, because yes, that was essentially accurate. But the governors were the implementers of this. Yes. She's the only person that the White House, the Trump White House, has speaking to the governors. So what was the purpose of bringing Scott Atlas in? Just to, so we're just going to pick a fight with the media, again, with no discernible policy outcome, again. So we're just going to try to score some talking point wins while all the same policies that are wrecking the country continue on. Right? That's essentially what he's saying here. Yeah. Okay. Hers was the only output that was put into writing to the states and she doled it out to every single state in the nation. Until I arrived, no one challenged anything she said during her six months as the task force coordinator. She was also the key to educating everyone at the COVID huddles. Listen to this. I had expected complex analyses of special data that others had no access to. So did I. I'm like, there's got to be better data than what I'm getting off of Johns Hopkins world of data, ourworld.com. There's got to be better data out there. That's what he's saying, right? Yeah. Guess what he found out? If there was better data out there, the Trump White House did not have it. But the trends that Burks put forth to the White House communicators day after day, meeting after meeting, were fundamentally simple tabulations of weekly tallies. Adding to the problem, Burks invoked, listen to this, circular reasoning as proof that locking down was successful in stopping the spread of cases. Like so many others during the pandemic, she relied on models that predicted a certain number of cases and deaths without any accounting for the cyclical decrease in cases that characteristically occurred as time went on due to increasing immunity, seasonality, or other factors. Because these continued high levels predicted by her model of choice failed to materialize, lo and behold, it turned out that the lockdowns worked. That's that's why that's why the that's why their draconian calculations didn't bear fruit. The lockdowns worked, so keep locking down so that the draconian calculations we are using as the basis and rationale for locking down continue to prove to not work. That's what he means by circular logic. Give me the theological explanation application for that. Uh, it's in Spinal Tap. Oz goes up to 11. That's what Steve just described here. There is an invincible ignorance 
built in to the notion <clears throat> of an appointed and anointed expertise mm-hmm. that once that level of status is achieved, n- nothing really in terms of the facts, the data, the science, what have you, is really paramount to the sense of feeling of being the expert. It it is described that everybody in that room was constantly genuflecting to that, her place here, her emotional state that she carried with that sense of place. It almost never had anything to do with the science. The guy in charge, the vice president kept genuflecting uh, to it. And so just as absurd as it was, as the long haired drug addled skirt chasing rocker when confronted by a logical question by uh, the, uh, the liberal who played a uh, meathead himself, Rob Reiner. Why don't you just make it louder and still call it 10? No, but Oz goes up to 11. There's a whole different thing going over in his world because he's late. I am. I'm the guy. I'm the front man. I'm the drummer. I get it. And you don't. It's existential to him, as it was to Debbie Burks. It was simply a role. And once she had that role, she could never fail in her mind's eye. That was impossible. Only other people could fail. Only other people could get in her way. You know, you're describing a cult, right? Yes. Okay. So in in our worldview, it's... Um, you will know the truth or hear the truth and the truth will set you free. And of course, in that context, the, you know, it's talking about um, Jesus Christ and who he really is. But the ultimate source of truth is uh, God of all truth, all actual truth. It is God. The inverse of that, the upside down version of that, there is no truth. There is only power and whatever needs to be done to acquire power, mm-hmm. whether, whatever you want to call it, whether it's um, whether it's circular logic, circular reasoning, I've called it the unfalsifiability fallacy. That's that's another example that Dr. Atlas uses of Dr. Burks in this chapter. All of that, it's not just dumb. Now it is dumb, but it's not just that. It's not just stupid. It is stupid. It's not just um, um, it's not just misleading. It is all of that. It is fundamentally about this one woman's bitter clinging to her, as Todd put it, her post, her job, with no other, no, not even a, not even a whiff of concern about what the actual truth is, of concern about hmm. what that truth uh, would mean, what what the consequences of believing that truth would mean for her. Funny you should say that. Because that's a great segue to where I'm going next. Did you want to add something really quick? I just want to say in the in the movies, this is the inverse of the in the movies when the doomsday thing is going to happen, what <clears> the <throat> asteroid, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's all the scientists are like, it's going to be okay. It's good, and then right. the kind of hero scientist comes in. No, try, this is the reverse. Yes, Scott Atlas was offering salvation, hope. It's not that bad, guys. Just, and they didn't want it. That's a cult. That should terrify you. You're describing it's what we were just talking about yes. last segment. The logic centers of the brain have been turned off. Yeah. If you think that's bad, wait till I read you this. Data on the Burks-Fauci lockdown harms was piling up. 
And Atlas says, I was frantic that I, that it was being ignored by those in charge. That it was being ignored by those in charge. That it was being ignored by those in charge. Meanwhile, my inbox was filling up with hundreds of emails from regular people, mostly Americans, but some across the globe, describing in incru- excruciating detail the human cost of the lockdowns. This was a true catastrophe. In my mind, this was not special knowledge. This was not special knowledge. That's an interesting use of phrase there by Mr. We Atlas. Is it not? Like See, two days yes. ago. Yeah. This was not special knowledge, but common sense. It should not have been necessary to say it. It was also evident in the data, numbers that I had written and recited more than dozens of times. But after sitting in with the task force and during the and hearing the COVID huddles, I was thrilled, almost shocked, whenever someone took me aside and confided that they agreed with me. I remember asking Hope Hicks, you cannot get any closer to Donald Trump than Hope Hicks, other than Melania or Donald Trump himself. Or Jared Kushner. Actually, Hope's worked close, more closely with Donald for longer than Jared Kushner. I remember asking Hope Hicks once if she had a background in science. After she explained very logically that she understood the rationale I espoused about opening while increasing protection of the vulnerable. She laughed at my question, probably because she too thought it was obvious common sense. This is literally the president's right hand. Well, of course. So are we going to do it? What was the title of the last chapter? Don't rock the boat. Let's finish up. I never fully understood why there was no admission, even internally by the task force, that the Burks fauci strategy did not work. I knew the media was incredibly receptive to their views. After all, it fits so nicely with their anti-Trump narrative. Disagreeing with Trump, especially in this election year, ensured near idolatry. Again, an interesting choice of words there by Mr. Atlas. Insured near idolatry on cable TV and the New York Times or Washington Post, but I never thought politics was the main driver of those on the task force. Perhaps it was an unstated fear that they were in way too deep to admit their errors. They certainly had plenty of backing from the public health establishment, many of whom were also acting out of self-protection. But the cases still spread. The lockdown still failed to protect the elderly. How could there be no recognition that nursing home deaths made up 30, 40, even 80% of the deaths in some states while the lockdowns were, were destroying everyone else? The floor is yours. Just have a very brief thought and then Todd, you can take it home. Um, last segment in this segment is basically the same topic, just different contexts now. The idolatry, the dementedness of both soul and logic, all to serve one sacrament or multiple sacraments of the spirit of the age. The 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 um, it should it, the 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 obvious nature of what we're talking about targeted protections. We're talking about a baby here. We're talking about the same story because it's the Mm -hmm. same spirit of the age driving this. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, there was a a story in the Atlantic uh, by this uh, leftist psychopath named Tom Nichols. And the headline, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but uh, yes, the experts have had a tough year, but we still must trust them. 
and that is at the heart of all of this because that's a cult. Yeah, if you are yeah. an expert who will never say I'm sorry, you will never humble yourself. Hey, I read this one wrong. You are worshiping yourself and not the so-called science that you claim to serve. And, and again, we've learned nothing. This guy has learned nothing. There's, and he is legion. They, they demand to at all times be the ones with their fingers on the button. To say I'm sorry would mean that somebody could do their job better. And they will never believe that because they themselves just believe in a Gnostic sense that they are just better than you. Here's what that also means. That's exceedingly well said, by the way. Here's what that also means. You cannot nuance a cult. No. A cult is not, I know it sounds funny to say, but that's actually much of what the right has done most of my lifetime. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm pro-life with exceptions. Okay. Offer them uh, the 8% of abortions by Planned Parenthood, by Planned Parenthood's own admission, the 8% of abortions it did last year that weren't elective. And tell them, okay, those eight one, those eight percent rape, incest, life of the mother, dire medical situation, right? We just want to get rid of the elective abortions. Would they give those to you? <laughs> no, Elizabeth Warren's going to still lose her damn mind. Yeah. And all those same, yeah. all those same clips that Aaron had in his montage would all still show up. Say things like, "Well, you know, it's a great, it's a great uh, vaccine, and it saves a lot of lives. You should mandate it." No. No, 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 no. Well, if it's a great vaccine and it saves a lot of lives and people are dying, why wouldn't we mandate it? Why would we give people the choice to spread a deadly disease to other people we and kill themselves while they're at it? Why would we give them that choice? We, sh- we shouldn't use the word groomer. Not all the teachers want to right. actually. We, would, we wouldn't tell someone who was suicidal. Well, yeah, I mean, we, they walked in, told me they were suicidal. I showed them a gun, but, you know, ultimately it was kind of their choice. We wouldn't put, tolerate that. That kind of nuance. And you know why we do the nuance? Oh, we know why. We just don't want to say. Some of it is just gutless and cowardly lack of conviction. But that's not most of it. Most of it is we want to carve out a little nuance for us to indulge in the spirit of the age too. And so we're trying to justify at least a little dash of some of that for ourselves. Because we want our own sinful natures. We want those satisfied too. Because we're not entirely sure in what we really believe. And nuance is a way to kind of believe a little bit of what we think we should believe and then a little bit of what we really want or really do believe. Well, I bring good news and glad tidings of great joy for you today. If you're not sure if you can do arguments without nuance, you're about to find out because the cult will not provide you an opportunity for any nuance. You will comply or oppose and there will be no in between. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Totters and his name is Aaron McIntyre. What is your name? You can tell us if you email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter uh, at Steve Dace Show. You can find us as well on MeWe Parlor Gab and Getter, where they don't try to censor us, at least not yet. You can also get clips of the show that are free to watch and free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that is 
rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Thanks to all of you that listen to the show via podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. Please show your appreciation for us. If you have yet to do so, leave us a five-star review. and That's only if you like us now. If you don't like us, kindly keep your opinion to, your hel- to yourself. You might feel as if, well, we maybe just kind of like the show. We wouldn't ask you to lie, all right? But if you just kind of like us, we would totally ask you to embellish completely and just go ahead and jump right to a a five-star review. Thank you to all of you that have done that for the program already. Uh, Please hit like and subscribe, follow, whatever applies to however uh, you and wherever you choose to podcast the show from as well. If you're looking for a last-minute Mother's Day gift, check out our friends over at Raycon. They're at least very popular with the things that uh, we most thank our mom for. Um, uh, us, my kids. My kids, they just, they gank these. They take these from me every time they come in. I talk about that every time they come up because I never get to use them. After I try them out, my kids are like, oh yeah, Raycons. Dad, can I borrow those? And I never ever get them back, all right? So uh, if you want to get your mom a last minute Mother's Day gift or you're thinking, you know what? My kids are stealing my Raycons as well because they are some of the best earbuds that are out there. They're a must-have uh, they are the best noise-canceling earbuds that uh, I've ever tried. They've got the best close fit of any earbuds I've tried as well. 32 hours of battery life, 8 hours of playtime. They come with their own compact portable charging case. They're priced just right to get quality radio and audio or podcasting uh, or anything else at the price of other premium audio brands. Go to Raycon, R-A-Y. C-O-N for Raycon. Go to Raycon or buyraycon.com slash Steve. That's buyraycon.com slash Steve. Get 15% off your Mother's Day order right now when you go to buyraycon.com slash Steve. This caught my eye from just a few hours ago. Uh, This was, quote, abortion is as important to Democrats in blue states today as slavery was to Democrats in Southern states prior to the Civil War. Those are the words of Delano Squires here at The Blaze. He wrote that uh, in his latest piece. He joins us now here on the program. Good to see you again, brother. How are you? Hey, Steve. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I was in Omaha yesterday speaking at a luncheon of a a couple hundred uh, liberty activists, and uh, one of the attendees, a black woman, came up to me afterwards, and I had a long talk with her. And she is running for state legislature uh, in Nebraska right now. And I was, one of the things I discussed is just my own story. I was born to a 15 year old mom, found out she was pregnant with me over, she got pregnant over Christmas break when she was 14 from her high school senior boyfriend. Uh, and then Roe versus Wade happens a few weeks later. And now she's got a decision to make. She chose to go ahead and, and, and uh, have the baby. Uh, but I mean, we were on food stamps, government cheese, all that stuff when I was growing up. All right. With a teenage single mom. And, the, and we got into her and I got into a long conversation with similar stories. In her case, she was the mom in this case, not mm, the kid. Mm. And But one of the things she said to me that really struck me is uh, she got into the conversation about Warren Buffett, uh, who, of course, we're in Omaha, so he's a big deal over there and a big deal everywhere, and that he gives hundreds of millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood. And she, and she mm. was pointing out to me in, the, in her predominantly black community that the cost of the government assistance that that they need in these dilapidated communities, the high cost that they have to pay is they have to agree to allow their children to be completely indoctrinated uh, into this worldview, whether it's rainbow jihad, as I call it, 
uh, Tranny Madness, whether it's abortion and Margaret Sanger. And she goes, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll show people in my community Margaret Sanger's own words. I'll read out of her books. I'll show videos where she says this stuff on video. OK, in black and white clips about, you know, why she started Planned Parenthood, what her motivations were, that it was all racist in nature. And they'll even listen and hear. But they're like the cost of if I if I vote against this, I mm. you know, then my the government assistance, I need to put food on my table and keep the lights on. I just can't afford to pay that cost. And so that led us into a long conversation of how to break through that cognitive dissonance. Do you have any thoughts on that? Wow. Um, it, it's, it's tough. I understand exactly where she's coming from. Um, it is hard. I've been in some of those conversations. I've been in some of those conversations in my barbershop with friends, with family who in one minute will acknowledge that they don't subscribe to these things, right? Whether it's abortion or the LGBTQIA2 plus agenda. Um, but they also don't see themselves ever voting, you know, for for Republicans, and um, th- it, it really is a disconnect. And, and I've said this before: it would be the equivalent of if there was a Antifa wing of the Republican or conservative movement. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what you have on the left, where you have socially conservative um, black folk, and particularly black women, church-going black women, who consistently vote for a party that does not share it, their values or oftentimes their interests. Um, I think the only way to, to break that hold is to continue steadfastly to, to speak the truth. And this week we've seen what, uh, we've seen what it looks like when you begin to reap the, the fruit of that. It's taken 50 years in terms of role, but there've been a number of uh, pro-life people on the front lines continuing to bang that drum and and talking about the sanctity of life and the inherent dignity and worth of every person. Um, I I think it'll take a similar type of uh, persistence um, in order to break that stronghold. And I don't use that word lightly, that stronghold that Democrats have over a significant part of the black population. And just so I'm clear, I'm not saying that black people cannot vote for Democrats. Mm -hmm. Right. Because every person is free to vote for whatever candidate they feel. Yeah, I don't even know what political party she's even running in in her in her state or her her legislative district. I didn't even ask her. Yeah, we didn't. But yeah. okay. But what what I'm saying is and I I actually wrote about this in a a piece um, last year. What I'm saying is black people should not feel as if voting for Democrats is what black people do, quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. What what I really want to break is is that bond between racial identity and party affiliation so that black voters, like every voter in this country, feels like a free agent to vote for whatever party they want to based on their interests and their values without feeling as if they're compromising some part of their sort of personal identity. Um, And I think it's becoming clearer and clearer that what Nicole Hannah-Jones describes as political blackness, after Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, it's becoming clearer and clearer that that, is, that analysis was actually very spot on. And what Joe Biden said was spot on in terms of how it plays out in the real world. Because if you're a black person, you go, again, into a barbershop or any gathering of, you know, random black folk at your church, basketball game, wherever. And you say, yeah, I, yeah, I voted for Trump in 2020. 
most of the people there are, are, are going to, you know, ask why, or some will criticize, or and some will begin to, you know, question your racial loyalty. Um, so I, I think at a certain point, again, that bond has to be broken so that we feel free to vote for whoever we want without, you know, feeling like we're quote unquote selling out. I want to get into the history of this and the historical parallel that you draw in a minute. But since we're on a contemporary yeah. political track, uh, there's one area, one more area I want to go and get your take on. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, there, there was a suggestion that if the court did overturn Roe, that might be the one hope Democrats have to rally their base uh, in the upcoming election. Uh, in, in my opinion, first of all, we have very short attention spans. All right. This sure. this opinion is coming any day between now and June the 30th. By the time we get to November, man, we're going to have 75 contrived crises and rows that are, everybody's going to be fixated on, number one. Number two, the only group of people that Democrats right now have gained any support with uh, demographically anywhere in the country are woke, affluent white women who are the most mm -hmm. likely to vote on a single issue like this. Those chicks are already, I mean, you saw Elizabeth Warren, pardon the pun, on the warpath yesterday. I mean, the, 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 those, those, those chicas out in the suburbs, are they've already got them. They, they're at max yeah. lit all the time. I mean, that's the Democrat base really now. That's their number one base is woke, affluent, white women. So, I mean, what are they going to do, vote seven times? I mean, they're already, right. they already had those people. I'm not so much concerned about that. But if we're going to look at it in a, in a practical political paradigm, what's happened in the Republican Party the last few years, and it's not always been a seamless process, it certainly hasn't always been polite, and at times it's been clumsy. But via Donald Trump, what, is, what has begun here is something that people like me have been arguing for for years on the right, which is to operate a party within a party. Hmm. And, and you're seeing this insurgent group now is rising up and essentially saying they haven't now they haven't been able to topple the Mitch McConnells of the world yet, but little by little they're now saying, all right, we're we're going to be a real viable force in primaries here to remake this party to 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 put the old corporatist party establishment essentially out to mm -hmm. pasture. Mm -hmm. Democrats cannot win an election for dog catcher in this country, Delano, anywhere, anywhere, without getting at least eighty five percent of the black vote. Anywhere. They can't win it anywhere in the country. The amount of leverage the black community holds within that party is extraordinary. Hmm. Have they considered that they could do that? They could, they could, you know, they can model a similar methodology, a party within a party that we're going to, you know, we're going to kind of have our own leaders now. We're not going to do the whole grift uh, access based politics anymore. And uh, no, we're going to actually decide who the, who the governor is going to be and the senator is going to be. And it's going to be maybe people that are for more big government than people like I might be for. But they're also not cultural Marxist either, that we can actually we can actually assert that level of control within the Democratic Party because there's a lot, a lot more black voters than there are rainbow jihad voters. And frankly, you need us a lot more than you need them. Have they thought about mm. that in the black community at all? The political leverage they truly hold or is there a complete marriage to the access-based model of traditional kind of sellout politics, which frankly, a lot of th that's what that's what that's what blew up the old religious right on the within the white church is they bought into that too, and they lost their effectiveness. Uh, that that is an excellent question. Um, if if I'm if I were to give a an honest analysis, uh, I think again a couple of things. When you've been in a relationship 
for um, so long, there are a lot of things that you don't think about that are not top of mind on a day-to-day basis. You just know when the day starts, you're with this person and wherever they go, you go. Um, it takes a lot of, en- it takes more energy to, to break that bond than it, than it does to maintain that bond. And when you're in, a, in an abusive relationship, and I would argue that the, the relationship that Democrats have with uh, black voters, and particularly on a national level, mm-hmm. is extremely abusive. Mm-hmm. When you come to a people and you say, uh, and, and this goes to something that you were saying when we first started the conversation, when you tell them that their path to liberation includes them killing one third of their offspring, mm. um, I, I, would, I would argue that that's abusive. When you tell them, we, we care about your lives, but you ignore every threat to their lives that does not fit a very narrow and specific um, narrative. So, so basically it's, whether it's Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, or, or you know, your garden variety, um, entertainer, pundit, the only black people whose lives they talk about are ones who are um, killed or harmed or even disrespected. It could just be a verbal dispute by white perpetrators, so to speak, right? So if it's Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, sure, we're on it. But it, but it's not just that. It's also Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper, the, the Central Park bird watcher case. Um, the same, around the same time that that happened, and that became a national story with people making comparisons to, to Emmett Till and what, what would have happened if the police showed up and they might have done, they might have killed Christian Cooper. A toddler named Devel Gardner Jr. was shot in the chest on the streets of Brooklyn in New York. And you could not find a single mm. late night cable news reporter on the left mm-hmm. who had ever said his name. Mm. But th- so, so what I'm saying is that that bond is so tight. And again, it, it, it's, it's what I describe. I, I describe it on the left as the Selma syndrome, which is a combination of Stockholm syndrome with America's real and ugly racial history. Right, right. So when, when you say Selma, people don't even think about the current city. They just see a black and white picture and, and people linked arm in arm crossing over the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And the Democrats use the specter of that to keep black voters in mm. mind. And they say, if you vote, you remember back, you know, uh, I think this was uh, 2012 and, and, and Biden said, if you vote for Romney, he's going to have y'all back in change. Back in change. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Right. It's the use of that of that history, and that history is real. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we should paper over it. Agreed. But it's it's pulling that history into a contemporary context and saying, black voters, if you think about leaving us, this is what you're going to go to. It's the equivalent of a of a guy again who's been abusing his wife for a long time, and he says, nobody's going to love you like I do. Where are you going to go? Right. Uh, uh, you got four kids and no job. Who's going to look out for you? Yeah, I was raised by a stepdad like that. So I know the persona that you're talking about. And we stayed way longer than we should have because we couldn't answer and we would get challenged with all those same kinds of questions. And I just I just think about yesterday when I spoke to this group and Mm -hmm. every I guess almost everyone in this group believes that the election Mm -hmm. was stolen by Donald Trump and wish he was president right now and that he was a great president. But the loudest applause line I got in that room yesterday, Mm Delano. 
is when I went after Operation Warp Speed and the vaccine, mm. which Trump views as his greatest accomplishment. Yeah. The same group of people, that was the biggest standing ovation I got that entire two hours I mm. spoke to them. Trump will get booed at his rallies by his own followers when he brings mm-hmm. up the vaccine. Where is the black minister who says... We're not, and again, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with that narrative. We are not gonna allow these corporatist Republicans to take away the assistance and the aid that our community is owed. But we're not gonna let these Democrats any longer tell us to kill one third of our babies any longer either. You see what I'm saying? The ability to walk yeah. here and chew gum at the exact same time. Like I thought a mistake was made with Kanye West, and I said this a few years ago. When the minute, the minute that he wrote, realized, man, I just fell. I just kind of for a more subtle form of a plantation here and the scales came off the eyes right mm-hmm. we couldn't wait to put a maga hat on him a red hat on him yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. almost like hey now join a new group a new co-op and 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 i just thought that was a mistake let him let him be an independent thinker for, for on yeah. his own for a while he'll actually reach more people that way than if we start branding him with a new partisan shtick right mm. along those lines how about a middle step where, a, where, where prominent black voices and prominent and prominent black churches can still think all the same things they think about corporatist Republicans, because I'm telling you, most of it's frankly true anyway. All right. So they can still think all the same things they want about corporatist Republicans, but saying, hey, we're, we're, we're going to tell this party we're not doing that anymore. We're not, and then they're not going to, yeah. that ain't going to be the price of admission any longer. We're going to tell them what the price of admission is. I, I think a big part of this um, in the black community is a microcosm of what we have operating in the larger American body politic. And I would say is this, and I, I know Steve, you, you're gonna recognize this immediately. I think one of the biggest problems that we have in our pol- political culture right now is the complete disconnection between um, our, the world as we see it, our politics, our culture, our social norms, our public policy, and any sense of morality. Mm. Now for us, obviously we're, we're, we would argue again, public policy, law, social custom, cultural norms from a biblical perspective. But obviously everybody in this country hasn't, has, hasn't always been, been Christian, but you know we had a, a Christianized culture, so to speak, where the, the Ten Commandments were known and, and respected, mm-hmm. you know, something to that effect. But what, we, what I realized is that even within the church, black church, white church, doesn't even matter, we have taken on a, a Marxist, materialist worldview that says that it is the uh, accumulation and access to resources and services, almost always provided by the government, Mm -hmm. that determines a person's life trajectory, determines their behavior. And what the church has done in, in many respects is say, Morals are all, are all about material access. So you can't even say, and I, and I think about this a lot, particularly in the urban context, you can't tell a young black man shooting and killing that guy who you said is your enemy is wrong, period. It's, it's, it's not understandable because you didn't grow up in a suburban two-parent home, right? It's wrong. Just the way I train my kids, hitting your brother and sister is wrong. So what, what we have now is, is um, a reach for resources, and, and that is why any politician that promises to give people more stuff is always going, going to be more popular. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a tremendous mistake. I actually, on a, on a trip back from, from Florida recently, I saw um, 
uh, it was like a, uh, a display by Florida A&M University where they, they had a number of essays around the turn of the century, 20th century from, from black leaders asking all types of questions. What's the role of church and education and you know, uplift of Negro? And every response had an element of sort of a moral character, even questions about education. All of those things were tied to morality and we've lost the ability to speak publicly about public policy and social custom uh, and tie those things to public morality. And I think that, that is why you see you know, the, the howls and the screams when the thought that Roe may be threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, that is why you see, again, every politician, whether left or right, speak in materialist terms. Everything is about resources and services. And, and e- Steve, even the conversations about abortion that, that, you know, the way it's framed, a woman, her doctor, and the government. You know who's missing there? The father. Right. So, so, so part of what, what the, the freak out is- In both, left- in both cases. The, Co- the father who is the author of life and then the father who impregnated correct. her. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So, so, and, and I've seen evangelicals do that. Mm-hmm. They, they skip, oh, in a post-Roe world, we need to make sure that women have the access to services so that they don't want to get abortions in the first place. And, and I'm like, these are Christians. Is nobody going to ask, talk about the, the family, the natural family? Where, where, where are the men? I, I, don't, I don't see that type of, um, those types of discussions going on. Black, white, church, secular. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that our, our political discourse and the, the world that we see in front of our eyes looks, looks the way that it does. Where are the men indeed? That's a question we've asked on this show a few times over the last, uh, yeah. especially 25 months. Let's, let's get to the historical parallel that you draw in your blaze sure. piece. Quote, if this leaked document, which is the uh, now confirmed uh, draft opinion by Chief Justice John Roberts is a true reflection of the court's coming decision. You write, Americans should expect the most intense political battle in a generation, and the reason is quite simple. Abortion is as important to Democrats in blue states today as slavery was to Democrats in southern states prior to the Civil War. Connect those two dots for us. Why do you draw the parallel there? Sure. I mean, the, the, the similarities are fairly straightforward. Both of them deny the the imago dei the image of god that every human life is stamped with um slavery says that uh slavery said that that chattel slavery said that black life was only important to the extent that it could provide economic output and resources for white slave owners abortion today says that the life of a child is only important and only worthy of protecting to the extent that that child is wanted by its mother Mm -hmm. and that's why at the same sort of peer, uh, point in a woman's pregnancy, if if one woman tragically miscarries, everyone will say, "Oh my gosh, I feel so sorry for you." You know, how can we pray for you? What we can we do for you? And another woman who says, "I don't want this child, and I want to I want to abort this child," you know, a different set of people will say, "Oh wow, I'm I'm so glad you have that that right," because everyone knows that it's a child. Even Planned Parenthood knows that that we're talking about babies now. So. Um, cause they, they sent out a message when John Legend and Chrissy Teigen lost their child and they even used the name of the child that, that, that couple had had for, for their son and they referred to him as their son. Mm. So even the largest abortion provider in the country knows that a, a preborn baby is in fact a living human being. So, so both slavery and, and abortion deny the Imago Dei, both make 
the the worth of life conditional based on the quote-unquote owner of that life. Again, whether it's the slave owner or whether it's the mother. And both have um, abolitionists on one side fighting against absolutists on the other side who do not want to disturb the status quo um, and want to continue doing what they've been doing because it's beneficial for them, as well as accommodationists who, uh, in many ways, like the absolutionists, just don't want to upset the apple cart. So these are some of the center-left, squishy-right folks who say Republicans don't understand you know, how big a mistake that they've made. A lot of the people who would have come over to the right are now going to go back because this, the, the conservative position on Roe was just too um, radical. And to which I would say, fine, let them go. I think this is a, if, if you're not willing to die for your own seed, then I'm not sure what, what hill you are willing to die on. So to, to me, I see those parallels. And, and again, the one thing that is um, clear is that Democrats support both wholeheartedly. I hope people see and realize that the last month have shown that the Democrats' two highest priorities are anything to do with the LGBTQIA2 plus agenda mm-hmm. and abortion. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that they talk about race, what they do now is that they cloak both of those two priorities in the language of racial justice, which is why every anytime Joe Biden talks about um, transgenderism, he says, and we know that you know transgender women of color and girls of color are being attacked all over the country. And when they talk about abortion, they say, and we know that this will have a disproportionate impact on, on women of color and black women and poor women. And th- this is a, a strategic and rhetorical move because in this way, they get to pull in the black women who are sensitive to both of those, uh, you know, those issues without uh, alienating the white, their sort of white liberal majority. Because to your point, Many of those woke white liberal women care more about uh, appearing sensitive to racial justice right. issues right. than they do attending to their own interests and values. So the same liberal white woke woman will cheer when 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 Biden says we want to protect Roe because we want to protect you know uh, poor black women, and then when her daughter says, "Mom, um, there's a, there's a guy who's racing us in track." And he's kicking our butts. We need you to go down to the school and, and speak up for us. She'll say, oh, sorry, honey, you, you can't. I don't want you to be an oppressor. You, you just have to try harder. And, and LGBT and trans people have been oppressed for so long. And this is their opportunity to, to live out loud and pursue their, their dreams and hopes. Mm-hmm. So go back in the den, finish your homework, and let me continue posting my black square. That, that's, what, that's a <laughs> distillation of our political culture right now as we speak. Oh, that's that's a homily right there, brother. Great, great stuff as always. Good to have you back on the show, man. And uh, make sure you read his piece over at The Blaze. All right. Take care, man. God bless. All right. Take care. Gentlemen, thoughts on that conversation? Oh, I'm just uh, such a fan of his ability in his own way to make the main thing the main thing. And such an important conversation about, you know, no matter what preamble you have about your times being hard etc 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 wrong is wrong right is right and that is our only rescue plan no matter whether we or white or black or otherwise this man just gets it yeah and and once again 
thinking back, uh, listening to that conversation, and then thinking back on what we talked about was it, we're not being facetious. We're not being exaggerative. Those are, especially the latter, hallmarks of sometimes doing a, an entertaining show. We're not being facetious or exaggerating when we say Joe Biden's most lucid moment of the last four, five, six, seven, twelve months or so was when he was talking about abortion being baby killing, being a God-given right. Hmm. You contrast that to what um, to, to Todd's reaction there and, and this entire conversation with Delano Squires, and it underscores once again, take stock of this, and there's a reason why we keep repeating it. You can't share a country with that. It has to be defeated. Fortunately, we're going to have and we're going to find out there are some allies that we might not have thought of before who agree and see the same thing. We'll come back with three non-political questions when we return. So we've got this new department of, uh, what's it called? Well, they're calling it the department designed to combat disinformation, but it's really literally a ministry of truth because disinformation nowadays is pretty much anything that doesn't go along with the spirit of the air, spirit of the age narrative. Uh, And of course, you see a lot of corporations these days that go along with this. They self-censor. They will perpetuate uh, the regime's narrative. In fact, they'll even enforce it in the case of jab mandates. Uh, that's another reason why when the opportunity presents itself, which isn't often, unfortunately, these days, but when the opportunity presents itself to make sure that you're doing business with somebody that aligns with your values and it doesn't require uh, a reduction in quality of product or service, take full advantage of it. In one place where all of us pretty much can, because we all pretty much need to have a mobile phone these days to thrive in modern America, is with our friends over at Patriot Mobile. Our family made the switch last fall after about 20 plus years with T-Mobile, and we put it off for so long because we just thought it was going to be a big hassle. We've got multiple phone lines now with teenagers and everything else, and They just made it so simple for us, even we could do it. We even took the occasion to go ahead and upgrade a couple of our phones. We have, uh, actually, it turns out, better coverage. Uh, I used to say when I had my T-Mobile phone that uh, the one place in America that I could travel and not have a cell phone signal uh, was Western Iowa. I traveled a lot of Western Iowa the last couple of days, going to Omaha and back. And I mean, I had full bars and everything the entire time. So if you want to make the switch to Patriot Mobile, first of all, when you do, if you're a veteran or first responder, let them know. They'll give you bigger savings and discounts. It's a way of saying thank you for your service. For the rest of us, right now, you can get a free activation code if you use the offer code Steve. When you check out at PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, or you can just give them a call. At 972-PATRIOT. Let's get to three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, hopefully a little break 
from uh, the seething that we've been talking about and the uh, issues at hand, a little frivolity, what have you. Three non-political questions, which I actually had before the show today. Wow. Uh, if, you'll, if you'll believe it. Okay. First question, what was the last tap-out moment you had watching a movie or TV show? Like, I, I'm just done with this for whatever reason. I'm just done with this. I'm not going to watch anymore. Uh, what's the last episode or l- l- the last instance of that happening? And what's the most memorable instance of that happening? Is falling asleep because that movie, The Lighthouse, is the only time I've ever fallen asleep in the middle of a movie in the theater ever. Does that count? Is falling asleep a tap out? No, or like, an, or an like actual decision. Cognitively ejecting. I'm, uh, cognitively ejecting. It was um, the episode of The Walking Dead after uh, Negan takes the, uh, the bat with the spike in it to Glenn's head. I don't know how many even years ago that was now. And then it dawned on me, this isn't going anywhere. That this is just nihilistic. They're just going to roam and roam. It's survival for survival's sake. Life has pretty much lost its meaning. That this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. And that's the last time I can think. Really? Uh, well, I don't know the time. It was either that, because I've got a pretty short leash, man. I mean, if, that's what I thought. That's yeah, I why I thought I this would be an interesting like, question. Yeah, I don't get invested in very much content because if, if, the minute I sniff anything out, I usually that, 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 that I'm just like, okay, and you're trying to get over on me. Like our our daughters and me used to watch Supergirl when it first debuted, and they came out with an episode where they introduced Superman, and the guy who plays it actually does a good job. And there's a separate show that he's on now that's actually really good, Superman and Lois. But the first line when Superman now shows up, and this was in the fall of 2016, and the first line that he says on the show is, quote, I'm with her. Well, Which is yeah. no coincidence. That was eje- I didn't watch another episode of Supergirl after that. So I can't remember if Negan t- uh, killed Glenn first or that happened on Supergirl first. But whichever... Whichever one of those two things happened most recently would be uh, the last time I just ejected that I can think of. Because, again, I don't get invested. I won't get invested if I think there's a possibility I will inject later on. Or eject, I should say. Sorry. That's a, a good one because I made it about a full season longer than you did with The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it did. I didn't... People were really... For, for some reason, the show about zombies, the Glenn thing really threw people off. I just thought this is uh, this is the show. I probably should have seen it coming because they had just also previously introduced a character named Jesus who's gay. But I probably yeah, should yeah. have seen it coming that this was oh, going nowhere. That, okay. You know, I probably that, should have seen it coming. That guy was there, but he was fleshed out more. And yeah, it was it was starting to feel a little bit like we were going to turn this the Woking Dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I ch- and isn't the show like it's? I think they announced its final season. Is it still on? I think you're right. I, I think know. it is in its final season. Yeah, yeah. which is amazing because yeah. I checked out like five years ago or something. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, boy, there have been a I, there have been a couple recent examples where my wife and I, you know, let's just give this a shot. And I, I tell you, I just can't even remember what they are because we just. Have moved on. We'll also do that with comedians. Uh, well, if it's, I, it, you know, we can handle 
cursing and things like that. But if it's just, you know, toilet humor, basically, we check out too, so... The last one was just this last weekend. Uh, I'd made it through every season of Ozark. Um, it's a Netflix series, basically. Um, an unassuming couple builds a, yeah, a an opium empire. In it, right? Yeah, around yeah. in and around the the Lake of the Ozarks in the in Missouri. Is it Breaking Bad, the, the Family Edition? Basically, and see, it's funny you bring up Breaking Bad. I had just gotten through watching all of Breaking Bad again when I started to watch the last season of this, just to, to show you how much our culture has devolved in like the last 10 years between the end of Breaking Bad or nine years, whatever it was, and the end of this. Uh, our freaking meth lords are pansies now, have turned into pansies <laughs> who need their wife to do all of the work for them, mm-hmm. at least with Walter White. And we're not talking about any form of morality here, okay? Just to be My clear. My drug dealers have to be alphas. Well, exactly. Thank you. Damn it. No, Walter White, at least he did things. He went out on his own terms. Jason Bateman's character, now he's pretty, you can make the argument he's static the whole way through, but it was one episode where it's like, you have gone total mangina pansy. Your wife is the true alpha here. Um, even it's our Carla dr- Medina. Even, yeah, exactly. Instead of even, Carlos. Even our drug lords, even our drug lords uh, are, are pansies now. Pop culturally speaking, wow! What a uh, what a what a transition to my most memorable tap out to, from from drug lords to one hundred and three Dalmatians. I remember I was less than ten years old when another homeschooling family in the small town that I grew up in offered to take her kids and me and I think a couple of other kids to the theater which I had only been to the theater in my entire life, like a, maybe two or three times. And I was so excited to go see. It was 102 or 103 Dalmatians. We get there, we get like 10 minutes in, and there's something that she deemed to be inappropriate, and so she dragged us all out. And we didn't get to see the rest of the movie. So you were tapped out, actually. Yeah, we were you tapped didn't tap out. out. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's a good distinction. All right, before we get to question two, inflation is at 40-year highs. The value of the dollar continues to decline. You're paying more at the pump, and now they're, they're having to buy more oil now to replenish the strategic petroleum reserve, which means gas is going to go higher again. Um, that's why you want to talk to our friends over at Bullion Max. Uh, because they can help you diversify into gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Uh, Our friends over at Trafalgar had a poll out today. Number one issue right now in this midterm election is inflation. So security for your family in times of crisis is why you want to go to the veterans in the precious metals space. And right now they're offering the lowest prices around. You can get employee pricing Employee pricing on Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit right now that includes the Silver American Eagle and so many other popular pieces. When you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve, bullionmax.com slash Steve, but this offer is so good, only one per household. Bullionmax.com slash Steve. Question number two, I don't know if you guys saw this. I think it was last night or two nights ago, Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher Madison Bumgarner was thrown after the uh, thrown out of the game after one inning of pitching after a sticky substance was found on his pitching hand. I can't show you the video for copyright reasons, mm-hmm. obviously. 
Um, but you watch the umpire come over to go inspect his hand, and the umpire takes what feels like an eternity just, like, touching his hand. And the whole while, he's not looking at his hand. He's staring Mad Bum directly in the eye. <laughs> did you see this? I did not see that. It's I knew like, I heard about the story, but I've not seen the it video. It seems like five minutes go by. I'm sure it's not that. It's really weird and really creepy before throwing them out, and then they have to be separated. So anyway, if you were in Madison Bumgartner's shoes, then what would your reaction have been? And does Major League Baseball have a problem with uh, diva umpires? Um, I would have started by removing my hand. Yeah. Rub I, my hand like that a couple subject, times. Uh, we might be that. a Johnny Dangerously territory here. You know, uh, my mother rubbed my hand like that once. Once, right? Okay. So... Baumgartner just let this go on for several minutes, his hand getting rubbed That's like that. That's what it that. felt like, yeah. Like a Paul Molliv commercial, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would have at least jerked my hand away. But probably the best reaction would have been just to not try to get away with cheating. I might have tried that. See, does Major League Baseball have a problem? Full stop. Yes. <laughs> Then with diva umpires, <laughs> a-hole players, uh, yes, doesn't know uh, what a strike zone is anymore, wants robot umpires. Yes, there's probably some background between these two. This umpire uh, probably was uh, uh, getting back at him in some way. Doesn't mean it right or wrong. But yeah, I saw it. It looks absolutely uh, ridiculous. But, you know, players are ridiculous uh, too. Uh, umpires and good umpires uh, all of the time. It's just yeah, baseball has a problem for the a lot of reasons. The same reason a lot of other things have a problem. Delano Squires talked about it. We don't make the main thing the main thing. There's just if there's no basic moral line for people, do you really not think it's going to get stupid and crazy like this? Of course it is. My answer to both questions is no. Uh, if you could travel, question number three, if you could travel back in time and had just 30 seconds to say anything to anyone, including yourself, what would it be and what would you say? And Steve, you cannot say anything related to sports betting. How far back? As far back as you would like to. And you have 30 seconds 30 to seconds. say whatever you want. Exactly. Um. Well, I'll go back to last week's three non-political questions. Wear a cup, dumbass. I'd say that. Wear a cup. Because that was a bad experience. And it hurt really bad. That's the most pain I've ever been in with no close second. As for other things and mistakes I've made, I mean, there are too numerous to mention, but they also helped to shape the person that I am now. You know, like if I had not flunked out of school and everything else, I wouldn't have been on a pagans and heat chat room wouldn't have met the woman who became my wife i wouldn't have my kids you know what i'm saying i mean mm -hmm. those mistakes and everything I, I i they helped form who i am now um so the, but the one mistake that almost deformed uh who i am now is that one so wear a cup dumbass i'd go back and say that to myself in september of 1986 i wouldn't say a word i would just roll tape on one libs of tiktok video Oh, wow. Say, that's coming. Oh, oh so. wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's something right there. Yeah. I would go back 30 years, 30 some odd years ago to my brother Tom and tell him not to eat gluten and don't let Aaron eat it either. That's what I would do. Or maybe gone back in time and like 
I don't know, told a, a general on September 11th, you know, better scramble some jets up there. Oh, I thought we were just talking about like in our own lives. No, you could, you could, I, didn't say, think it I, could said, like, I said anything to okay. anyone, including well, I mean, yourself. Oh, oh, okay. I totally misread that. Apparently, you must have misread it too, because obviously we would have, you know, been like, hey, don't let Aid Mubarak get on the plane, right? <laughs> We'd have done that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I took it as something personal that we would go back and tell ourselves. So I'm still confused. Did we go too deep? Not deep enough? Yeah. What? Yes. Although I still think I would like to go back to September of 1986 and have worn a cup. I, I still think that. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the more stressful things you can do. Imagine doing it with an, an agent that you find out after it's too late. The process is near its completion or you're already underway. Wow, this person doesn't know what they're doing. Or wow, this person's totally unreliable. It would make it even more so, which is why, especially in these unprecedented times. Bing. You want to make sure that you go in with an agent you can trust. And where would you find them? Just about, well, where the name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. They can't make it any easier than that. They made it so easy. It's right in the title. Go here. Uh, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's a company started by Glenn Beck and his associates who kept running into real estate agents they couldn't trust and they wanted that to stop. So they started this referral service and now you can take advantage of it at realestateagentsitrust.com. Coming up here, we're going to start, uh, we're going to take the overtime. We've got about uh, 90 seconds left in the show. We're going to take the overtime right after the program. Our colleague Robino is going to join us. So that's going to be for Blaze TV subscribers. And you'll be able to watch it later today after we upload it for you at blazetv.com slash dace, which is also where you can go to get a discounted subscription today. Uh, apartheid is Elon Musk's fault. You see that today in the uh, New York Times? Yeah. Because of course. Yes, yeah. because it's, it's the, uh, I'm telling you. And you weren't here on Friday. You, right. were, you were off on Friday. Uh, but my prediction on Friday is Elon Musk will face at least one Kavanaugh type of situation between now and when this Twitter sale is scheduled to be finalized sometime in October. Okay. Uh, so you can see the, the, the full onboard character assassination of somebody who largely agrees with a lot of their, well, stated beliefs prior to say the last 25 months mm -hmm. right um but because he would dare provide a forum that may allow you to continue to disagree he must be destroyed so we will get into that today in the overtime for blaze tv subscribers again don't forget blaze tv.com slash dace is both where you can watch it and subscribe here today we'll come back again tomorrow noon to two eastern right after glenn beck here on blaze tv until then john 317 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.